now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmarlroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands Good morning, beautiful people. Wagwan, wagwan. Happy Friday. I feel like we should like just start dancing this Friday. <laughs> Everybody's saying they're feeling a little bit lighter. Ah, the world is somehow getting back to normal a tad. Still lots of craziness going on. And we are certainly going to be talking about a lot of it. Um, some court news I'll update you guys on. Good morning, Catherine. How are you? So good to see you guys. 
I'm just doing my admin stuff here behind the background. Good morning, Ernesto. How are you, my friend? Ernesto has become a real fan of the show. We appreciate the love and support. There's something happening right now in West Bay. We're not sure what it is, but there's some sort of police activity in the Bonneville Glade area. Um, let me tell you what the CMR report has just been posted says. Police operation in Mount Pleasant slash Bonneville Glade area of West Bay. And we're talking about some five police cars and about seven to eight police officers. So that's what's happening as we speak. We do not have any details as yet on exactly what the operation entails. But as soon as we get some more information, we will uh, definitely let you guys know. So that's what's going on, folks, some sort of police operation. And our sources say that there are some, um, looks like private detectives now. When they say private detectives, I don't know if they mean like um, the detectives on the force, on the police force. But we'll be keeping an eye on it for you guys. And as soon as we know, you will know. We will definitely keep you updated. I need to move my mic out of the way just a little bit here. I got this new thing on the mic. That's why you're seeing this. This is actually, um, you can't see the whole mic. It's actually out of the way, but that's it. Um, I've got a, what they call a pop filter over it, but it's like a weird one in terms of how it's designed. So, um, the point of that is to cut back on the, when you speak, like the hisses and the pops in your speech. Good morning, Eddie. How you doing? Yes, fam. What's going on? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Friday. Is this the last Friday of the month already? Hold on. Let me check. <gasps> One more Friday. This has been, this month has had five Fridays or will have five Fridays. So this is the fourth Friday. I'm kind of thinking, wow, this feels like a long month, but that's because Friday the 1st, the 1st fell on a Friday. So uh, 31 days in January. Good morning to Miss Morna. She says it's a beautiful Friday. I'm telling you every day is beautiful once you can get up, get moving, you've got your health, you got a little job to hold things down, um, get your fam. Yeah, it's all good. You got CMR. Hey, even better. Um, let me turn on my backlight. You notice how I always forget to turn that on. I don't even know where the remote is. It's not on my desk. Okay. Marshall from North Carolina. How are you? What's up, Miss Beulah? Miss Beulah, beautiful Miss Beulah. Thank you so much for the morning greetings. Eddie says, hey, family, good morning. I'm looking some assistance to get a stem cell transplant for my kidneys. Um, you've got a GoFundMe account set up. Okay. Tell us about, um, oh, that's interesting. So what is, what is that exactly? You need a kidney transplant, but um, what, what's stem cell transplant? Is that not the entire kidney? 
Maybe we should come on the program, Eddie, and tell us about it. Uh, shoot me a message. 324-1612 is the WhatsApp message. I do have another story to put up as well today. Um, you guys will remember some months ago, we were actually right here in the program when uh, a family in Newlands, their house burnt down. So they now have a GoFundMe page set up, a total loss. I mean, devastation. So they do have a GoFundMe page set up to assist them. And I need to get that up on the website this uh, morning. I see Alric. Alric, are you ready? Ready like Freddie? Jump on in, Alric. Good morning. Say good morning to everybody. Good morning, everyone. Crystal so is here. Good morning, Crystal. Good morning, Miss Barbara. We've got... What's that name? I always look at both names and whichever one is easier to pronounce. Is that Wells? I'm not sure. Kalumba seems a lot easier. <laughs> Carol thought it was just a police helicopter protecting me on my morning walk. <laughs> Carol, I feel you. Um, nope, something's going down in West Bay jail. West Bay is always popping with activity. They say the West is the best, but the West is always the most exciting, apparently. So, yeah, something's going on. Uh, five police cars between um, seven to eight police officers, as well as the police helicopter. And they're looking for someone, I think. Let me so show you maybe guys. Maybe a new, a new paper month's open in West Bay. Never know. <laughs> Let me... Uh, have a quick look here. I'll show you guys the photo that we just posted on the Facebook page. By the way, let's talk about this a little bit, actually. This is probably an appropriate time to have this conversation. This is very serious. But you guys saw the story that we put up the other day um, about the lady who was on an early morning walk. Alric, I don't know if you saw this story. But she was saying that at 4.30 in the morning, she's out running. And these men on a DEH truck um, start saying very vulgar things to her. Now, if you've not heard the voice note, uh, go to the website. It, it is in the story. I cannot repeat all of what was said to her, but let me just put it this way. It was not um, anything nice at all. Very disturbing, in fact. And so um, this, is, this is what's popping right now in West Bay. This is what's going on. Like we said, we don't have the details on what this is, but uh, you know, you've got the police van and then several other police vehicles. We're told five police cars. They must be, if they're not at my house arresting me, because normally they come with that kind of force when they arrest me for dog theft or whatever. So <laughs> if it's not me that's being arrested, mm, that must be capital offense. I remember the first time, not the first time, but maybe the third, fourth time, I've lost count, that I actually got arrested. Because now now they no longer like arrest me. They just send me a notice, show up to court kind of thing. But I think in the beginning, they really wanted to, well, they, they did a couple search warrants. I think I've had two search warrants done. One I successfully challenged by way of judicial review. And um, as a result of that challenge, they supposedly overhauled the, J the JP system Clearly not enough because we see that they're back in court for search warrant issues again with Doctors Hospital. We'll see what the outcome of that case is here soon. 
But um, yeah, so one time they showed up with like five or six police cars. Like it was, there was nine senior detectives and like five, six police cars. And I remember Judge Henderson, he was a judge at the time. He's since retired. Um, during the judicial review hearing, he said, why would you go and arrest Miss Catron at the time with nine detectives? And it was like, the, the allegation was an ICT offense again. And, and they were like, the judge said, this is, if I've ever heard of overkill, this is the definition of that. You don't even show up to collect someone, some gangbanger for murder with that kind of force. But you know, a lot of it is psychological. They're kind of getting your headspace. And so they show up with like, thankfully they didn't have any guns drawn or anything like that, but still, um, you know, intimidation. And I was just like, okay, this is how we're gonna do it. Let's get it done. So um, that warrant had some flaws and got thrown out. But you know, even if the warrant gets thrown out and under the UK criminal system, they can still proceed with the rest of the case, which is astonishing to me. In the US, that would never happen. Melissa, good morning, my love. Joy is joining us in Texas. Um, good morning, Wang. Have a beautiful Friday. Big shout out, by the way, to the Filipino community, holding it down and doing all the things that they got to do. Uh, a little bit of an update from yesterday's show. I know you guys were very interested in yesterday's program. Miss Irene, you know, her employer didn't like the fact that we were saying, you've got some accountability for what has happened here. And I'm just speaking legally what the position is. It's called vicarious liability. I'm not trying to throw the employer under the bus, but I think all employers need to know that they are responsible for the actions of their Workers, whether they even know it or not, that's not a factor. So uh, yesterday's program was a resounding success. A lot of you watched it. Um, I forget how many views it has now, but the last I checked, I think it had like maybe over 7,000 or something. There was a lot of people very interested in that program. So we did a little bit more digging, as you know, we do here on uh, CMR. And we have discovered that she does not have a valid work permit at this particular time. She's actually on borrowed time, as they say. So immigration has given her until the 26th, which is next week, uh, Tuesday, to leave the island if she doesn't find another work permit, which I hope that she doesn't, to be quite frank honest. Oh, my bad. 10.4 thousand views from yesterday morning's show already. So um, she has time in her passport to get her act together and she should be making arrangements to leave the Cayman Islands. Of course, I am willing to bet you that she uh, is out there trying to find some sucker to take out her work permit. Employers, be careful who you hire. Remember what I just said? You are responsible for the actions of your employees. And thankfully, her current employer um, has not renewed her work permit. She actually had a temporary work permit, which is shocking. I mean, most people behave when they're in a temporary work permit. I'm just so shocked that this woman didn't do that. But she is in a temporary work permit. 
And um, that work permit expired the end of the year, December 31st. Her employer opted not to renew it for obvious reasons, I think. And on top of that, her employer also notified immigration about her dishonesty. Now, I don't know um, how in-depth she went into the situation, but she did advise immigration at least, which is good. Because again, I find a lot of times what ends up happening is, uh, you know, no one is told, including immigration, what is going on. And so as a result of that, these persons are able to move on to a new employer. Sometimes a new employer themselves have no clue what's going on. <coughs> Sorry. So, um, she did report her dishonesty at some level to immigration. There appears to be um, an allegation there that they're aware of. So she had a temporary work permit for Global Services INT Cayman Limited, trading as Global Travel Consultant as a travel sales associate. That expired, my apologies, December the 15th, not the 31st, my apologies. It was actually December the 15th. So she's got a little bit of time to get her, her bags packed <clears throat> and has not been renewed by her employer. Instead, her employer has provided a letter to immigration about her dishonesty in the business. Now she's able to uh, remain in Cayman until I believe it's the 26th. Let me just double check. And so um, if she does not get a new permit, yes, January the 26th, to facilitate her departure or submit a new work permit. So let's just hope um, that it won't be a new permit situation. It's unfortunate though, because the people who have lost money will obviously um, not recoup that money, especially if she's sent back home, but I suspect they wouldn't recruit it in any event. So several people, um, several victims left uh, behind, including the poor chef, at City, City Walk in Georgetown after he was promised a catering job. And obviously I'm confused by what's happening here because if she had a work permit for a sales associate for travel agency, how she got into the catering business with no valid work permit, I have no idea. That means that she's working outside the terms of her work permit and working illegally because she was catering and doing work and taking on contracts during the holiday season as well. Irene, you're lucky that immigration and works isn't paying attention. Because if they were, uh, that would be your residence that the five cars should be at this morning arresting you for an immigration offense. No bueno. Um, Alric, immigration offenses, you have any concern about those? I mean, we always hear these stories of how the system is being abused. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not sure if immigration has the right manpower because I'm aware of people who overstay. Um, I've heard people overstaying for over a year and nothing is done. 
So they're usually immigration offenses. Um, there are people who will get a work permit for someone, but there's no work. Mm -hmm. so it happens all the time. Some people try to get their girlfriend to stay in Cayman. So they get their friend to get a work permit for their girlfriend, but the girlfriend isn't actually working. So I think it's probably a lack of manpower for immigration to go and check whether a case is actually the case. Now, when we look at what is practical, it's not practical for immigration to go check every single work permit out of 30,000 work permits. Because I think, I don't think immigration has, you know, 15,000 employees or 30,000 employees. So I think one of the issues is, is a lack of manpower. Um, and I, I don't know if there is any system of random checking, mm -hmm. but random checking may help. So, you know, if, if a bar says they have a work permit for these five people, a random check would be showing up at the bar and to confirm if those people are working. So if you go there 15 days of the month as a random check and those people aren't there, then you have to raise a query, right? So um, it happens frequently, Sandy, unfortunately. There are lots of different offenses that occur, but um, they're either not reported or in my view, it's possible that the department doesn't have the proper manpower. Yeah, I mean, enforcement is always a concern, especially immigration enforcement. Now, let's presume um, that not every single employer is out there um, breaching the immigration law. I find that probably the vast majority of people are relatively compliant. But even if you have 10% of the people who are non-compliant, that's 10% too many. Um, and that leads to issues in the system. And, um, you know, it's, it's quite unfortunate when people can get away with it, because what I find is when they can get away with it in one situation, they never stop. They just continue to run afoul of the immigration regulations and laws. Um, I guess we'll have to see. You know, we will certainly send this information, which immigration already has, I'm sure, um, about this lady to see if they're willing to do anything about it or if they're going to just allow her to um, slither away outside of the jurisdiction. I think the problem is without uh, enforcement, other people look on it and they think, oh, well, I can do this and I can also get away with it. it it's shocking to me. You know, the most surprising thing about this situation is um, I think most employees try to behave, especially when they're on a work permit, during the um, probation phase. And she was on a temporary work permit and she's out there scamming people. Wow. She's next level. Like they need to send her on a one-way ticket out of Dodge to never to re-enter. Like they need to put a note on her file at immigration that she is a persona non grata because mm, she's very bold. Uh-huh. Yeah. But Sandy, you know, the problem is, um, um, so I heard a story about it. My, my friend had a gardener. The gardener stole. The gardener was deported from Cayman. Mm -hmm. The gardener changed his name, came into Cayman with a new passport mm. and, and worked like normal. So that, that's one of the issues as well is that the system that we're supposed to have where 
at the airport. My understanding, they bought a machine like they use in the U.S., where you you put in your your fingerprint, where they scan your your fingers. I understand that that was bought already in Cayman, but it's not used. So a system like that, if implemented, might help. But as long as they don't use some kind of fingerprint system or scanning system, then people will continue to just come in here with fake passports, mm. come into Cayman. So that, that's the difficult part. Yes. Well, um, I think it's it's interesting um, that you mentioned the fingerprinting system because now we're talking about potentially getting some sort of a national ID. And I thought what happened, whatever happened to the biometrics technology, as you said, that we invested to my recollection, I wanna say millions of dollars, but I'm gonna double check that. But it was a lot of money that was invested in this biometric uh, fingerprinting system and then nothing ever came of it. Like they basically just abandoned the entire project and we never heard a valid reason why that sort of money was spent in the project. And then there was no end result. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing happening before with no level of accountability, no report, no nothing. And uh, the only way to prevent some people, because people are very, very savvy with IDs and um, falsifying documents, really and truly the example that you've just given, Alec, demonstrates that the only way that we can um, try to close that gap is by using uh, technology to identify people that you cannot <laughs> doctor. So you can't do a whole lot about your fingerprints, although if you're a very determined drug kingpin in Colombia or Mexico or somewhere else, they will go as far as burning their fingerprints off to try to um, mess up fingerprint readers. But you know, there's eye readers, there's facial recognition software, there are fingerprint readers. There is technology to assist us in, um, in recognizing who people are. And uh, it's unfortunate. I don't know if you recall this or not. Remember some years ago, we were having an issue with um, gang members from certain surrounding um, Latin and South American countries coming into the Cayman Islands. And our people had no clue until the locals who were from those countries started to alert us like, oh, you do know. And they had the gang names that they were telling immigration about. And um, these persons were coming here with the tattoo markings. And because the, our local immigration enforcement people were not trained up on this, had no idea. Um, I think a few people were able to slide in to the Cayman Islands until uh, I believe it was under the leadership of Franz Manderson at the time at immigration. He had to, you know, train up his staff and uh, they started to deport people, really, who were um, here with not the best of intentions, trying to run from the law from their own countries, but they were active gang members with all of their gang insignia and tattoos on their bodies. I don't know if you recall that or not, but that was a thing, it happened. So Atlas okay. wants to know how the vote's coming along, Alric. Uh, not votes yet, uh, Atlas campaigning, door-to-door -door canvassing, how's it going? Well, if you read the elections law, you're not a candidate until end of March, which is nomination day. So if you're not a candidate, you can't really be deemed to be campaigning. So I'm just visiting the voters and finding out what their concerns are. Um, the process is, is going good. Uh, we did a voter registration drive uh, in, in the weeks um, coming up to 
the 20th, 20th of January deadline. So basically went to pretty much every apartment complex along South Sound Road, uh, Walker's Road, Hines Way, Fairbanks, um, Windsor Park. So one of the most interesting things that I came across is that peepers, people that have status letters mm-hmm. were asking us if they could register to vote. I found it very interesting. Obviously, now we learn that the issue of the status letter is actually more complex because I understand someone saying that if the status letter has conditions in it, the elections office will want to know if those conditions are fulfilled. So in that case, the elections office may ask for the status certificate itself. So when when you look at the elections website, it says in terms of requirements for a status holder, it will say letter for immigration and it has slash status certificate. Now, when you submit your documents, sure what status slash um, letter means. You don't know what it means. And it's unclear what the timing will be for those persons to be notified that the letter isn't good enough and the elections office needs the the certificate. I think that um, going forward, the elections site probably needs to be expanded, expanded with more detail to contain more explanations or maybe these things need to be taught in schools, the constitution, immigration, voting, the rules, qualification, disqualification. I think those things need to, need to be taught because when people go on a website, it's like a checklist. They complete the form for to register, they submit the documents that they say are required. And what usually happens in Cayman is because things aren't explained properly, mm-hmm. then you, you get told a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, oh, we need a stamp on this, you know, like a couple of months later, you know, when you thought everything was fine. So um, I think the, the website needs to be expanded a little, a little bit to, the elections website needs to expand a little to explain more about what you need to submit and what will not be acceptable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, um, to Atlas, yes, um, we have been communicating with voters and non-voters because, in my view, uh, the non-voters are still stakeholders in the country. They're still impacted by the things that happen in the country. Obviously, only the voters can actually vote. But I think it's also important to hear what other people have to say at the end of the day. At, at the end of the day Things have to be implemented in the best interests of the country and in the best interests of Caymanians. But we do have to speak to everyone. And we're going to continue um, speaking to people on, on a weekly basis. Uh, we tend to see most people on Saturdays and Sundays. If people are home then and, and resting then. It's a little harder to to get to people in the evenings during the weekdays sometimes. Mm-hmm. I come home from work yet, primarily due to this traffic problem that we have. So, you know, people are getting home 6, 6.30, 
and they probably just want to rest. You know, the last thing they probably want to see is uh, someone knocking on the door, asking what their concerns are. They just want to rest. So yeah, so yeah, while we do see people during the week, the most people we see are Saturday and Sunday. But but things are going well. The the gathering gathering of concerns of of people that's going well. Mm-hmm. Um, Alice, are you going to come out, come come back to Cayman to assist with the campaign when it starts end of March? All right, let's see. I mean, speaking of coming back, uh, yesterday it was announced that our borders will remain closed um, until April the 15th, so at least until mid-April. In the New Year's message, the Premier had originally said that he was hopeful that it would have reopened the end of, um, or sometime in March, um, because he had high hopes for the vaccine. But there's a lot that has thrown a wrench into those high hopes, including these variants of the coronavirus spreading quickly around the world. Um, the UK has, for example, stopped flying um, into Bermuda. Is it Bermuda? Um, they have reduced the number of flights considerably. So I think they only have one flight scheduled now. Um, that was the story on our website in case you guys missed it a couple of days ago. So, um, yeah, it's a lot's happening. A lot of countries are now requiring the PCR test. We talked about this last week, Friday, um, the Canada, the UK, the US obviously came in and a lot of smaller um, countries around the world and larger countries in the Middle East, Europe, Asia, whatever, are requiring a negative PCR test for international travelers before you can enter their country. So the um, resolution for this pandemic isn't, it's not a one-shot deal, folks. It's not going to go away just because we have this uh, vaccine um, and several vaccines out there and now available. So uh, I think it was the, where's Bermuda? The flight that goes there. Um, The BA flight has reduced their travel schedule. So British Airways has cut flights to Bermuda. This was just announced yesterday on our website. Uh, They're making major cuts to the service, offering only one flight now per week as of next week. So travel around the world is still taking a hit and uh, no one is really fully reopening their borders um, without some very serious considerations um, and precautions in place for international travelers. So good morning, Mr. Andrew, how are you? Bonnie says, good morning, Alec and Donna. I'm not sure who Donna is. Um, (laughs) I don't think I have an alter ego, but Donna wouldn't be the name if I had one. (laughs) Good morning to Miss Romelia. Um, big shout out to Miss Romelia. She is a supervisor on the Nice Crew, and I was driving through Windsor Park a couple days ago, and um, she had Windsor Park along with her crew looking really nice and fresh and clean, and they were sweeping and cutting the the bush and doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, good job to all the hardworking um, individuals who are part of the Nice Crew. A lot of people have wondered if this is not an initiative that the government could, um, you know, undertake on a more long-term basis. But I think that would be NRA's job, right? To clean up the roadsides and do that sort of stuff. Is that right, Alric? So maybe NRA needs to start looking at hiring more people because a lot of neighborhoods go unattended to until the NICE project comes up, which that's only a biannual project at this particular time. 
Yeah, so I mean, people like Romelia and, and Whitey, well, Whitey's real name is Hartwell, um, you know, they tend to take it up upon themselves to get things done in the community when, when the government isn't doing anything. So I, I think sometimes people get frustrated that they ask the government to do things and never get done. So people in the community get together and get it done. And so that's, that's some, some of the times that's what you see is community members deciding, you know what, this is our community. We want to keep it clean. Uh, we want to keep it beautiful, presentable. We, we want to have pride in where we live. And so they just get together and, and get it done. And I think that's one of the things that government doesn't normally do well is to just get things done. Hmm. Um, as you know, there's so many things that yeah. remain unimplemented, laws that are not enforced. Um, so sometimes <clears throat> in cases like this, um, it's really great to see people just coming together and just, just getting it done. Yes, thank you, Mr. Amelia. Um, Joy says uh, things like this never happen in West Bay, making us look bad. Um, I guess she's referring to the police presence. Mm -hmm. You must not been in Cayman for a long time, girl. Trust me, not what it used to be. Larry, good morning. Joining us in New York, uh, Amelia says this is easy to solve. Date and location reported to DEH. Uh, they would know who was on that route. Yes, let me go back to this story, actually. Um, I think I got a little distracted by something or another. So this lady is running at 4.30 in the morning. These guys start uh, yelling, um, disgusting, obscene things at her um, about her privates and all sorts of stuff. Um, it really made her upset. Uh, I've spoken to her, and she's been messaging me since the day of the incident. And it looks like it has triggered for her. She said she didn't know Estella personally. Um, but for obvious reasons, it has just triggered this feeling in her that some, if you've got a men full of, on a truck, so a truck full of men who would say the things that they said to her and the way in which they said it, she said it just took her back to space of like wondering if that's kind of how the whole assault on Estella um, Roberts, uh, Scott Roberts started. And she was fearful um, you know, she stopped running. She, she refused to even look at them, she said. And um, she got back in her car. She called the police right away. <clears throat> she made a report. By that afternoon, she went in to the police station and uh, made another report to the authorities, like her formal written statement. And the police are now investigating the matter. And she's also gotten to the DEH director. She met with him yesterday. She said that she was um, uh, a little relieved to see that he was taking the allegations very seriously. And um, he is going to carry out a full internal investigation as well as what the police will do, because that's a criminal offense to say what they said to her. And, you know, she said she became even more concerned because one of them said, you don't know me, but I know you. And she's like, what, what the hell does that mean? Um, and I think, you know, in her mind, she's saying the way that she's processing it, you know, DEH workers come and uh, they, you know, don't come inside your house, but they are at your front yard, at your foot, you know, steps almost, um, doing what they need to do in terms of collecting your garbage. So if you don't feel safe, about these workers, 
um, being in the community and, you know, being out and about 4.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, sometimes they're even out earlier than that. Um, it just made her very, very afraid. And she wasn't just uncomfortable. She was literally afraid. And so some of the voice notes that they have, um, you know, sent, that she has sent to me, you can hear the fear in her voice. You can hear that at times it sounds like she may have even been crying. And um, it's just unbelievable. I saw some of the comments online because she said to her, she thought that they had a Jamaican accent. And of course, ugh, you know, people are going to jump on that. They're going to forget everything else she said. And they're going to jump on that. Well, how did she know that they were Jamaicans? And that, well, she didn't actually say they were Jamaican. She said they had a Jamaican accent. There are a lot of Caymanians who have... Um, status or Jamaican connections or whatever. Um, or sometimes they can just sound like a Jamaican. I've got a sister who's not a Jamaican, a hundred percent Caymanian, but she has spent so much time in Jamaica and so much time married to Jamaican men that she can sound more like a Jamaican than some Jamaicans I know. Uh, and in fact, people often chuckle and say to me, you know, when your sister goes to Jamaica, like she knows areas of Jamaica that they as a Jamaican have never heard of um, because she has spent, you know, a considerable amount of time there and she's kind of in and out and whatever. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they are Jamaicans. I mean, the logical thought process is if someone sounds like a Jamaican, they probably are. But um, as someone rightfully pointed out, I don't know that DEH, I mean, I guess DEH can hire anybody they want. But I would hope they'd be giving uh, Caymanians first preference, but could be a status holder. They're still a Caymanian, folks. But, you know, Jamaican um, coordinates initially. So I don't know, but he's going to look into it. I think she's given him enough information on um, the location of the truck, the time that this incident went down and so on, that he should be able to determine exactly what DA truck that was. And so, again, employers having to be responsible for the bad behavior of their employees. And I'm sure that DEH is going to have to reprimand them and hold them accountable. And they may also be looking at criminal charges because I can at least think of one insulting the modesty of a woman. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't know in this day and age why men, any man would think that that's appropriate to say, especially riding a government vehicle. Um, they've been asleep during the hashtag MeToo movement. They've been asleep for the past, you know, couple of years when people are not taking this sort of thing lightly anymore. It's just not funny. So when, when um, you hear those, when you hear those, those older, like older Caribbean men, they still will say, sweetie, this and sweetie, that in a work. Yeah, but that's, that's totally different than what was said in this case. Uh, th this actually was um, vulgar. Like they use the P word with her. Yeah. You, so you know, that's, that's, not, that, that's not saying, hi, sweetie, how you doing? You know, that's not what that, that is. Yeah. So I, I guess she can find out what route that was. Um, the guys that were operating the route that day in time and I guess she can make a report. Yeah, I know she is. She's done that. She's definitely done that for sure. Um. So Ervalyn says uh, people like her needs to be gazetted. I think we were that was a comment in reference to the work permit situation. I think we're a little bit behind in comments. So let me try to get up. Um, is it Richie says 
his feed is looping or repeating. I think it might just be you, Richie. So try to um, restart the stream. I just exit that and restart. I'm not sure what you're watching it on. Good morning to Quincy. Big shout out to Quincy. Quincy joined us on last night's program on mental health. If you missed it, it was a wonderful conversation um, of us just asking questions and trying to understand what some of the challenges are for persons here in the Cayman Islands, such as Quincy, who is bipolar. And, um, you know, I have so many more questions. I hope that Quincy will come back on the program soon. Eddie says immigration and customs is together now, so they have a lot of manpower. Well, not exactly, because works is still a separate entity to CBC. CBC is border control. So just let us remember what happened. They took immigration, what used to be immigration and customs, and they sort of um, amalgamated them into new agencies. And the, the remit of the new agencies is different than they were before. So CBC, Cayman Islands Border Control, has some previous immigration functions. So their responsibility now is to protect our borders. So they took part of immigration and customs and put it together for CBC. So that's um, not quite the same. And then works, uh, Eddie, for clarity, is responsible for work permits. So that's the, um, what does work stand for again? Um, help me out here, Alex. Something, something, something. Workforce. Um... Oh, gosh. They gave it this long name. And of course, they gave it a name that people can make fun of. Like, yeah, that ain't working. Works ain't working. But let me let me see. It stands for Workforce Opportunities and Residency Cayman. And then in brackets, the Department of Immigration. <laughs> so that would have been, they would have taken on part of the former role, but no longer border control. So that's an important part that Works is no longer responsible for. And then they amalgamated um, that with, um, what was the other agency called? It was the other job agency where you'd go and register for jobs. They kind of put those two agencies together to develop Works. So um, they're responsible for employment opportunities for Caymanians, but they also do all of the work permit and residency uh, status, those types of things as well. Um, so Quincy says Cayman immigration has lost the battle when it comes to enforcement, his humble opinion. Well, we certainly cannot, uh, we certainly cannot give up. Um, so let's not say that they've lost the battle, um, but certainly there's some issues, some teething problems, I think, along the way for sure. Uh, let me see here. Quincy, the majority of MPs are not in favor of the fingerprinting system. Why not? Well, I don't know if they are or not. I don't think there's ever been um, anything that have indicated what their position is. I do know that several governments ago, the decision was made to invest in this um, fingerprinting system. We spent the money, we bought the equipment supposedly, and it was just never set up. Yeah. Uh, Tony is wondering why government would allow people like that to remain in the Cayman Islands after learning all that they do. I think sometimes people in um, enforcement are clueless unless the public assists them. And that's why uh, public participation is so incredibly important. You have got to help the authorities, folks. I mean, I cannot stress this enough, but, um, you know, 
you've, we all have a job to do. We all have to step up to the plate and provide them with information when, it, when we have information. That's what a good citizen does. So they can't know everything. Now, where I have a problem is when you hear these stories where they have been provided with information and then nothing ever happens as a result of it. That undermines the confidence that people have in the system. So Troy says, all work permit entries to the country should be fingerprinted and kept in a database and that would assist with policing as well, for sure. Um, Quincy has an opinion that CI government isn't in control of the Cayman Islands. Uh, well, um, we have civil servants who, if the truth be known, are largely in control because that's their job, but they are driven by the mandates given from the political arm of government. Tracy, I know doing police records in Jamaica, you do a fingerprint. So um, I don't know for the next country. Good morning, Tracy. I'm late for class again. That's okay. <laughs> we are not going to kick you out. Do not worry. Better late than never. Good morning to Ruth. Um, yes, Tracy, I think more and more fingerprinting. I mean, for years you enter the U.S. and part of their border control process right there, you just, you know, give them a copy of your fingerprint. Uh, it is what it is. We are a little bit behind the times, I think, in some of these things. Ruth, good morning. Good morning, Maria. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tony says, uh, when are we going to get politicians uh, who aren't all about development and the almighty dollar? Ooh, Alec, that's a question for you, my friend. Well, when people start voting on policy and not just person personality, you know, because um, the issue is not development itself, but overdevelopment and all developing without considering the impacts on the environment. We we have things that are happening in Cayman without enforcement, for example. You heard the other day that concrete was poured on, on some mangroves. You have mangroves also being removed mm -hmm. in sites and there's no consequence because the government decides not to enforce the law. So the the, the culture has to change the um, desire to enforce or not enforce has to change. If we have a law there that protects the environment, then you know the person should comply and there should be a consequence for non-compliance. Right now, there doesn't seem to be any consequence for non-compliance. So what we have is people building as they wish uh, doing any development they wish without considering the compliance aspect because they know that they can do the bad act and get forgiven by government later. Mm. It's so important to get people in the government who are going to comply with policy, who are going to enforce the law when people break the law. Right now, the issue, the main issue we have is is lack of enforcement. Government turns a blind eye to things that are damaging to us. Yeah. Well, Tracy agrees. He says, um, when there's no such thing as politics and voting or government in place, because that is an organization designed um, about to, I guess, care only about money and development. Um, Catherine says one of the biggest concerns for her is traffic. 
I think we're all reminded, especially if you live in the Eastern District, of exactly um, how horrendous that is now that school has started back in full swing. Um, Atlas says, I might be coming back for a short minute. Speaking of coming back, do you know which hotel is being used for quarantine? I, I think it is, um, oh gosh, I'd have to go back and check. Hold on one second here. Um, we'll, we'll let him know he can use um, a private residence for quarantine now. Yes, that's correct. Um, so it's the Holiday Inn and Wyndham. That was as, as of the 4th. And I don't think that that has changed. So those are the two government facilities if you have to quarantine in a government facility. But of course, uh, there is the option um, you know, to quarantine at home, provided that entire household is able to quarantine. So Andrew says he's good. He's just listening to what we have to say. Thank you so much. Um, good morning, Eden. Thank you. Keep it going all year through um, NRA, DOE, and DH for all island caretaking. Yes, brilliant idea. Um, Quincy says road work in the BRAC happens year round. Thanks to Moses and Juliana and GCM twice per year. Only why? Well, I, I think um, road works is supposed to be happening. I mean, we have NRA and to be fair to NRA, they do um, go and cut back, you know, the trees and stuff every once in a while. They, they tend to wait in my areas anyway, until they are really overgrown, but I'm speaking specifically to the nice program which gets unemployed Caymanians out in the field, um, you know, working and contributing in that way. Um, so I, I'm always concerned when people say uh, that these things happen, Quincy, thanks to politicians, because it's not the politicians out there actually doing the job. Um, it's, it's NRA. So are you then saying that Moses and Juliana do a better job of keeping NRA on target in Cayman Brack than anyone else? Or are they just taking credit for it just because the Brack is so much smaller and easier to maintain? Mm. And to be honest, I was in the Brack recently and, you know, it's not overly, um, you know, there's not garbage everywhere, but I didn't see anything spectacular in the Brack in terms of what NRA was doing versus what they're doing here. I didn't see much of a difference at all, to be honest. Linda says, I stopped running on the roads years ago for that same reason too, men keeping up with you and slowing down on the bike and essentially stalking. You know, Linda, um, we shouldn't make slight of, of this situation because I must tell you, um, there is a guy who, I think he pled guilty to this offense, but we had reported on this. Uh, he was in court um, some months back for doing the exact same thing. I don't even know if this woman was out running. She may have been, but it was in the early morning hours, like when you're dropping off kids to school. And uh, this guy pulls over kind of like next to her. And she was kind of wondering like, what the heck is he doing? When she looked, apparently he was masturbating in his car and calling to her. And so of course she called the police and reported it. And they eventually tracked him down. They checked CCTV footage. What was even more disturbing about this is it was in the vicinity of um of a school like right on walker's road so how utterly disgusting is that so he was charged with an indecent um i forget the exact charge indecent assault or something that that falls under so yeah really really disgusting um so i'm glad that she reported as well i think you know as women these are the types of things 
that um, we should not be tolerating. Because like she said, in her mind, she was kind of thinking, where does it go from here? You know, what, what's the next thing that they're going to do or say to someone? So, so yeah, disgusting. Eden reminds us that this is such shameful behavior and rude boys are not real men at all. I mean, there, listen, there is a way to, even if the person's a total stranger, to let someone know that you're interested in them that is appropriate and, and this isn't the way. You know, this was just disgusting. And it's even more uh, scary as a woman when you um, have a group of men together kind of ganging up on you in doing this. The fear that it puts in you is real. And, you know, we, we think we live in a pristine, perfect community uh, when it comes to a lot of things. But let's just be very honest. We've had women um, raped in this community. We have women raped all the time. We have women who've been assaulted and raped um, by a gang of men even. And so it's not outside the realm of possibilities. You know, some people are like, well, well, wow, like she's over um, reacting to the situation. I don't actually think she's overreacting at all. I think that it just put her in a mental headspace where, you know, she was like, what, what did I just experience? And for her to even refer to the Estella situation, saying that that's how that made her feel, I thought that that was a real indication of how serious it really touched her. And we, you cannot discount someone else's experience, you know, like we all react differently to situations. Um, I may have reacted different to that situation. I don't know. Because when you're in the moment, you can always think in your head, oh, well, if this happens to me, this is what I'm going to do. But trust me, when you're in that moment, that's when you're tested because you don't know how you're going to react. You know, I always think if that happened to me, I'm going to pop some words right back on them. But funny enough, I was having this conversation with someone yesterday, Alric, and I, I said to them, you know, what is so weird? Like, the, I've got this side of my personality and I'm like, listen, don't mess with me. And I think a lot of people get that. But when I'm in a situation where I feel a sense of aggression or danger, I do not tend to respond with more aggression. I go into like complete calm, like overly calm even, because I'm trying to just in my head, I think process what's happening and bring the situation under control. Cause I don't want to escalate a situation because God knows the day that I might actually have to pop somebody upside the head. They may have a reason to try to haul me off to jail. Although it would be self-defense, but I'm just saying, um, but you know what I mean? Like you'd never know how you're going to react. You think, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be like, you know, what the hell did you just say to me? But you don't know, you know, it, it can put you in an emotional um, tailspin. So I think, you know, I, I can't fault her for thinking, OMG, what could have happened next? What intentions do they have towards me? Like, it's just not good. Um, Jewel is here, healing up from West Bay. Good morning, Jewel. Jewel says, politics is a relationship, and those who can create relationships plus good ideas will be successful in 2021. Let's hope so. Good ideas, hardworking. And definitely, I think, um, Jewel, you're absolutely right in terms of relationships because um, – that should be the foundation of it. Like the, vo the voters have to trust the people that they're electing to public office. They have to believe in them. And that is part of the process. So good morning to Mr. Walton. He is tuned in. Karen, thank you for tuning in. Felicia Rankin is also here. Uh, Eden is in the studio. So coming up next, we do have um, some individuals who uh, will be joining us. Um, Michelle, um, Amplify Cayman. 
um, will be joining us to talk a little bit about the environment. So we'll give them a few minutes to get uh, into the studio. So Eden says, 100% Al, we have to love where we live and uh, follow and enforce our own laws and think of future generations. Aliano's here. What's up, Aliano? Um, so Aliano says we can come back to Memphis. ISM, nepotism, 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 nepotism. Our problem is always nepotism, which uh, Aloha politicians, or a lot of, maybe he meant to type a lot of politicians, running for government with family or linked to anybody who have major businesses in the Cayman Islands. Can I tell you something? We can talk a little bit about this next week, but there are several politicians here in the Cayman Islands. Let me tell you how little they think of us as voters, right? They have um, decided that they're gonna retire. So um, uh, Malcolm Eden, uh, his father, Mr. Anthony Eden, and Moses Kirkkernel and Cayman Brack apparently have decided that they will be retiring. Both of them have done something that I think is so incredibly um, weird um, because they have decided to appoint their heir apparent to run for political office. So let, let's just break this down. You have individuals who've been in there for 25, 30 years or more. They're going to be running for political office. And... Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's, let me just, let me just see something here. At the end of the day, uh, they have this idea that they're going to now tell us, okay, I'm not running for political office, but here is who is. And there, this person is replacing me. And this is who you should vote for. I'm like, who the hell are you? This isn't like serfdom. Um, you know, you're not a king. You don't get to a point, well, this is my lineage. This is who's going to follow me. So we're going to talk about this next week because we do have the Amplify K-Man team here in the studio. But this recently came to my attention. So here's the fella. We know um, uh, Mr. Um, Anthony's doing it with his son, Malcolm. So that's who he's putting in his position. This, look at this guy. Um, his name is, ooh, let me see now. Um, let me just see here. Uh, his name is, I think, hold on. His name, he's a Tibbetts. He's a deputy district commissioner on Cayman Brack. Mark Tibbetts is his name. So apparently Moses is going to tell Cayman Brackers, and you fool as fly if you buy this crock of baloney, that this is who you need to vote for instead of him. So if you are a Moses supporter, this is this is who he is appointed to be his successor. Uh, he looks like he's at a retirement age already, but apparently he's a deputy district commissioner on Cayman Brack, and um, he has already tendered his resignation from last year with government, getting ready to run for political office on the Brack. Wow, what a hot mess that is. So um, yes, shady, disrespectful to the people. Um, Alric, we do have the folks here from Amplify Cayman, so we're gonna switch gears a little bit. Quincy, um, thank you so much uh, for your comments. Good morning, Tracy. 
Irvlin said she has also likewise stopped running because of the same issue. Um, getting a lot of reports about, you know, these this unwanted attention that you get from men. You know what I used to do? I'll tell you what I used to do. Um, we say that sometimes we don't know how we're going to react, but even when people can't call at me, I haven't had it in a little while. Cause I think when people see me now, they're like, Oh, that's my road. Don't mess with her. But back in the day, you know, people would be like cat calling, whatever. And I would, I would turn around and look them dead in the eye and say, uh, excuse me, do I know you? Okay. Cause we are not friends and a friend would know better than the cat call at me, but really do I know you? And normally they'd be so taken aback by the question. I've never had someone, they would then be like, oh, miss, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean no disrespect. And I'm just like, uh-uh, don't play that game with me. So I think sometimes you do have to really take these situations um, sort of head on as a woman. Like you've got to practice what your response is going to be. Because I think in the moment you can be so incredibly shocked. Uh, women, word of advice, you know practice scenarios in your head and in real life. Like if somebody used to go to self-defense courses, somebody grabs you from behind, what's your game plan? What are you going to do? And the more you practice these things, hoping that you'll never have to use them, I think the better prepared you are. So Bula says um, he was charged with indecent exposure and is now in 18 months probation. Thank you, Ms. Bula, for reminding me of that. Um, I'm trying to remember his name as well, but yes. So he is on probation. Good. He should have gotten jail time for that. Um, and you know, people like this, I'm going to say this, uh, sort of off the record, but obviously I'm saying it on air. So, um, people like this, you have to be very, very careful with, because this same man who, um, exposed himself and masturbating in, in public, you know, um, in front of this woman also has allegations surrounding him about inappropriate behavior with a child that is known to him. And I would not doubt that one bit. If you're going to do what he did to a total stranger, what would you do with a child that you've been exposed to and that may trust you? Of course you would be trying to molest that child. I don't, I don't not doubt that, you know? Um, Quincy, you're too kind. Quincy says you're referred to as the Nancy Grace of the Cayman Islands. How does that make you feel? Well, I don't really think about it. <laughs> I guess I'm okay. Um, Ms. Sue Chantel says, this is really scary. I bought a home here thinking it was a safer island than most. Well, Chantel, let's be very clear. It is a safer island than most because in other jurisdictions, you have a real fear, like a serious fear of being kidnapped on a regular basis out running and jogging. So um, I'm not trying to say that Cayman is an extremely unsafe place, but what I'm trying to say is we have people here who engage in bad behavior. And when they do, it needs to be exposed. They need to be called out and they need to be held legally accountable. That's why everyone is saying, even the Speaker of the House should be held legally accountable for his actions. And the mere fact that the government refuses to do that has sent a very clear message to all of the people of this country about what their priorities are. So you're, you're likely not to ever encounter um, any serious crime in this country because we do still live in a very safe place. But, you know, we're working hard to make it even better. Um, Alric, I'm going to put you in the back studio for just a second. We've got uh, Mr. Eden. Good morning, Eden. Good morning. How are you doing, Sandy? I'm good. We also have Michelle who's joining us. Hi, Michelle. Hi, morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How about you? I'm great. 
Um, so you guys are involved in a lot on this <laughs> island. I'm always trying to keep it. I need a, I need a little card system here. Um, Eden, musician, activist, um, the environment. You know, you're all over the place, guys. And we really appreciate your hard work. Um, tell us a little bit about Amplify Cayman because there may be people who have never even heard of Amplify Cayman. What is it? Can I take that one, Eden? <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, well, Amplify at its heart is a grassroots collective. We are a diverse group of people from different walks of life who just want to see, uh, bring forward solutions in the community. And with the thought in mind that we want a more opportunity and uh, to leave a better world for future generations at, at its heart, right? Um, I like to think of Amplify, that everyone is already a member of Amplify Cayman. And all you need to do is speak up and you've taken your place at the table. So that's a, a big part of, of the philosophy behind Amplify is that um, pull, pull, your, pull up your chair, have a seat at the table and let's hear what you have to say because everybody has a part of the, the solution to play, everyone in the community and we, we want to hear it. So it's not about politics, it's not about agendas, it's about real solutions and real sustainability and real um, community health and happiness. Nice. And I think participation as well too, which I'm sure Eden touched on, but you know, like I think with CPR, when CPR kind of got going, one of the main things that we kept saying was, is that we're not being told what's happening. And, um, you know, we just want to know the information so that we can digest information and, and make proper conscious choices by it and participate in our democracy. Okay, and so we how have a, we have people... a right to know, you know? Sorry, say that again. I was just saying we have a we have a right to know. Right? Like uh, people too often are like, oh, okay, I guess I don't need to know that information, even though it directly impacts me and my community and my family, and you know, and and it's just you know, that we have to we have to flip that script and change that paradigm. Mm -hmm. um, how can people find out? Like, if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about Amplified Keyman, how can they? Um, reach out to your group if they want to be part of this organization. Who is the best person to contact and what are some contact details? Well, there's uh, the website is amplifycayman.com. So it's nice and simple to remember. And um, that is a way to reach out uh, directly to the group. But we are around, we've been doing voter registration mm -hmm. since summer because we did we started uh we worked with um register to vote ky with uh aquina ebanks and um and ashley and and uh tried to make sure that we had some voter registration going while the school the the kids the young people who were um home uh from university and everything like that during the pandemic had a chance to register while they were here in the summer because a lot of kids ended up going back in september and there weren't really efforts on official level to get that going. So we've been out in the public behind different tables doing voter registration since August. Mm -hmm. And um, and so our faces are out there. The people who are part of it are out there. Um, you know, again, there's no there's no secrets or there's no agendas. So if you can reach out on the website and then anytime we post up an event that's going on, then feel free to talk to us behind the table and ask us and sit down with us and chat with us. And, you know, we're just, we're people in the community. Yeah. So. I think also um, maybe go on our Facebook page and um, our Instagram mm -hmm. page we have as well too. So, um, and I think Eden just said that, you know, there was a huge drive for voter registration. I think it's really 
you know, important to note that I think there's about 5,000 unregistered Cayman voters. Wow. Um, and I believe the Amplify Cayman, since they started this um, initiative, it's, it's, we have about a thousand new voters. So I think that that was like a huge push. And obviously there's still a lot of people that are, are not registered that won't be able to um, vote in the election, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still register to vote. Um, you know, as CBR sort of pointed out, you know, we can have a referendum at any point. Um, and, you know, it will only be another four years before there's another election. And um, it's just, it's so important to participate. And this is the main way that we participate, you know, um, all, the, all the things that kind of, frustrate us, um, it's it's through our representation as up with MPs, which is how we directly appoint these people. So voting is such a huge thing. And um, and I'm so grateful that that um, Amplify was able to, to do such a great push with that. And mm -hmm. to, add, to add to what Michelle is saying, um, the, the, the referendum, for instance, the reason that was able to be triggered was because people are registered. So it's not just about voting every four years. Yeah. If you're a registered voter, you and you want a playground put in your neighborhood. You want speed bumps put on your street. You there's a derelict piece of property that you and your neighbors think would make a wonderful park or something like that. All of those things, all the way up to triggering a referendum to um, to be able to address grievances with the government and and have a say in the political sphere, are all part of being registered. So even if you haven't registered already, and you get out there and get registered. Um, it's a it's a part of your power that you should grasp. And I, I got pointed out a lot of people um, were talking about jury duty and everything like that. Well, national IDs are getting issued, and that whole jury duty excuse is going to be a thing of the past because you're going to be uh, <laughs> part of the jury duty pool once you have a national ID. So you better might as well register. And yeah. on on the tail, um, I'm just to demonstrate one way that Amplify operates is that. While we were uh, out registering people, we were also taking note of people's concerns, people's hesitancy for getting registered, people's questions about it. Why is it that we have to be registered months ahead of time when much larger jurisdictions can register people practically the same day of an election? Why mm -hmm. is it that... Um, that only certain people were involved in getting registration done and there were certain uh, gaps missing in the official push to for voter registration um why you know questions about term limits questions about mm -hmm. people had the th thought that we had a national election for the premier so all of those type of things are is information that we're gathering that helps also inform you know how is Cayman's democratic process in an, in its enfranchisement of the community how is that structured and what kind of things do we need to address in there as well? So it's, um, you know, research was gathered, questions were asked and and as many were answered and then more questions came up and those are things to be addressed in the future. So where this is an ongoing an ongoing project, it doesn't does doesn't just get done and dusted because yeah. voter registration is closed now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you make some interesting points, too, about the voter registration um, deadline. Someone else from Bermuda had mentioned that to us. Earlier in the it's week, um, on Tuesday, when we had Mr. Wesley Howell here, they said it's peculiar that in the Cayman Islands, you guys close off your voter registration process so long. But of course, these are things that are on the books in terms of the Constitution or the elections law that give them so many weeks for objections and all sorts of stuff. So these are legislative changes, really, that need to be made in order to accommodate um, a much longer registration deadline. And um, I think you should give people as much time as possible, really, 
to try to register. But it makes me wonder if part of the reason why there's such a long time between cutting it off, you know, until actual election day is because maybe our election system is so antiquated. I mean, are they hand verifying the voters and like nothing is really computerized. So that's why it takes them so long to do the things that they do. Cause I wouldn't think, you know, the voters list is only what 22,000 and change. Um, it shouldn't really take that long if you have ample staff and the computer manpower behind you to be able to verify um, and look at any objections to the list. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, even with CPR, with the referendum, um, when we finally had the, you know, um, one quarter of the population um, saying, hey, we want a referendum on this, even with that whole process, it took them three months to verify the names um, because they physically went to each person um, because they didn't have a system in place, um, even though, you know, there are other jurisdictions that have done things like that. Um, you know, I almost feel like we're reinventing the wheel for the sake of reinventing the wheel. Like you know, the United, United States, I think the cutoff for the last election was like, I think 31st of October for some states. Mm -hmm. um, so there isn't a, re there, to me, there's not a reason why we shouldn't be able to do that. Um, I do think you're right, it's antiquated. Um, and hopefully it's something that we can kind of modernize in the future, um, ensure that there's um, adequate staff um, to take it, take it up because you know, the issues aren't going away and, and groups like Amplify and CPR are not going to go away. If anything, they're going to get stronger, um, which means that there will be more reason to have like adequate staff um, at all points throughout, you know, at, at all times to make sure that we, um, that we're ready for this kind of stuff for referendums and elections. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, it's what invites Participa participation, right? So yeah. we have we also have the the issue of uh, the disenfranchisement of Caymanians who've lived away for two years, which is ridiculous. I mean, you have a you're away for two years and you don't have a say in your in your country except for a few exemptions. Um, but I mean, we have Caymanians who were born here, who have a heritage here, who their fathers and grandfathers and mothers and grandmothers are national heroes. And now because they're away for whatever reason out of their country of birth and heritage for two years, they have no more say in voting. Whereas mm -hmm. someone who might've just moved here and gotten their status. And I'm not, I'm not trying to divide here. And anyone who is eligible to vote has a right to vote. However, you shouldn't you shouldn't disenfranchise someone after being away for two years when the UK's law is 15 years, for instance, for being up for disenfranchisement and being away from the country as a uh, not being resident. I don't believe you should ever be disenfranchised. However, two years is ridiculous. It's a, for for how fast things move in politics and the importance of having a say and not knowing if you're ever if you're going to move back like that when you have a right to move back here. You know, so there's there's a lot of a lot of things and a lot of issues. Uh, Wesley Howell has has brought up the the thought of automatic registration, of where when you turn 18, you're automatically registered, and then you have a a choice to opt out if it's not your religious inclination or whatever. There's different reasons that people don't want to be registered mm -hmm. to vote for whatever reason. But uh, that when you turn 18, you're automatically registered, and many jurisdictions do that. In Australia you have to vote. You're fined $25 if you don't show up at the polls. Yeah. And they have massive amounts of young voter turnout. And, you know, and so the, these are the kind of things that in a 60,000 person jurisdiction, 
there's, there's just no excuse for some of these things. And we really should be striving to have everyone involved, especially the young, because those are the leaders of tomorrow. So having them be keen and feel involved and feel empowered in the political process from an early time is, I just think it's absolutely important to our survival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Judy, thank you so much. She's reminding us that the website is amplifycayman.com. <laughs> she says also that it's disenfranchisement to maintain a 90-day cutoff for voter registration, which is what um, both Michelle and Eden were just saying. And Antiquated describes many of the systems here in <laughs> Uh, we can attest to Judy. We can definitely attest to that. Um, Chantel is here. Irvlin is here. Shirley says also major disenfranchisement. There's Shirley. Caymanians from registering to vote if they have been away for the two years, which is what Alaric was just addressing as well. Um, these are issues that to me can be changed if we lobby or MPs. Um, we recognize the difficulty, obviously, of lobbying this current group. Because we can't even lob lobby them to remove a, a woman beater from Speaker of the House. So, my gosh, I'm sure they're not all that concerned about um, the disenfranchisement of the voters and giving us more voter power. Because they have essentially said at the opening of the um, of Parliament, when it changed over from the Legislative Assembly, the same wife beater, by the way, or not wife beater, but woman beater, actually said that the people have too much power right now and we're complaining about everything. Um, so quite interesting. Alex says a lot of changes are required, but the people would have to amend the constitution. Well, it starts with the politicians, you know, um, or I guess another referendum, is that what we're potentially looking at? <laughs> another push to get a referendum going? Well, either the the thing is, it really starts with the people taking their their seat at the table and speaking up and not leaving it all in the hands of the politicians. And this is why Amplify Cayman was born. Uh, this is uh, and this is why we're doing the survey as a as a kickoff point in in observance of 20 year anniversary of us being part of the environmental charter um, to get people to speak up, get involved, take the survey. Um, and make a statement so that we can have some some critical data on the, people's ideas of the health and happiness of our environment, how we're observing our own, our own environmentalism, and the survey is constructed in a very neutral way. So, um, be you know, we really want everyone to be a part of it. So it's it, things like this are are really crucial, not just to gather the data, but in the fact that speak up you know, be a part of the solution, take your place at the table and let's all talk and let's hash out some real solutions for our communities and our people. Um, I'm gonna put the link for the survey up in the comments so that people can click right to it. And let's see the best way to do All right, do folks, so make sure you participate in this survey. This is really, really important. Um, Tracy says, what about the poor ghost Caymanians that actually had to prove their heritage? Well, that's a whole other situation, but definitely yeah. along the same lines of, uh, of what we're talking about here. Um, Alaric says um, government passes laws to give themselves benefits, but rarely to recognize people's rights. We need more people to keep MPs accountable. Yeah. Alaric, you're right, because they had time to um, give themselves severance pay. They kind of put that in the law recently. We spent an entire show talking about the implications of that. Nobody was paying attention to the fact that this was even being done um, and these changes were coming in under the radar and um, they did it. So I think where there is political will, uh, things appear to get done in a very short space of time. But yes, the people 
are still largely being ignored. So Shirley says in some generational Caymanians still can't get their citizenship without hiring lawyers. Wayne Panton is in the house. Hey, Wayne, what's going on? Uh, Wayne has been um, a supporter of uh, many issues, including, um, you know, the environment. He's one of the few um, MLAs at the time that was really an advocate of environmental change and environmental protections. And Wayne says, totally agree, re-disenfranchisement. Caymanians who work overseas for experience and opportunity but plan to come back should still have a voice. I mean, it's interesting because it has been legislated, um, you know, it's gone to the courts in terms of candidates who were away for professional development mm -hmm. um, or work experience, and they're able to run for political office even in those circumstances. So why can't voters <laughs> be able to continue to vote and continue to participate if they are in the same boat? So, you know, uh, their way for um, secondments, work experience and so on. I think that it needs to be looked at a little bit more closely. So I totally agree with Wayne on that. Any comments on that point, Eden and Michelle? Uh, I mean, I, I completely agree. And it's, it's, it's not even necessarily even if they plan to move back home, because let, let's look at it this way. You're born and raised in a certain area. For whatever reason, life takes you to another shore. First of all, if you're a government employee working abroad, you can still vote. So why, why should it be different for another citizen of Cayman just because they don't work for the government, right? But secondly, mm -hmm. You might have a candidate, uh, 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 two candidates coming up in this section where you grew up and you were on that seashore and you walked through those woodland trees and you, right, you got the cowich and that's what that's your, your childhood was like. And all of a sudden, one candidate is saying, hey, we're going to develop this place and, and knock down all these trees and this and that. And another candidate saying, no, we need to preserve it. We need to be more sane about it. Why shouldn't you have a say in how the place where you spent your childhood in that environment where you were raised is managed? Why shouldn't you be able to, to comment on that as someone who comes from that soil? Why, didn't, why shouldn't you be able to take that to the ballot box? It's, it's really, when you think about it, disenfranchisement is literally the, what is at the root cause of it. And especially when it comes around to these type of things that we have in the survey where we're talking about environmental health and happiness, mm -hmm. how the environment reflects on the health of the person and on, and on the community. These are issues that transcend um, where, you're, where you might necessarily be in the world because your child might still be back there. Your cousins might still be back there. You should be able to have a say in what is happening in your community because you've been a part of it your whole life. It doesn't matter about the last two years, really. You know, so let's, so these are kind of things that, that need addressing. And, um, and we're really hoping like, like projects like this survey, uh, you know, get people involved and really start to spark some thought here about how it is that we relate to our environment. Um, the fact that we already have so many laws and policy in place that, that we just need to follow. and what we see happening is time and time again a new committee gets appointed a new you know a new a new um, commission gets done and we spend money on it and then all we're doing is doing the same thing in 2018 that we did in 2008 that we did in 2001 that we did in 1995 mm -hmm. and then it sits up on a shelf and gathers dust when really the policy is right there the guiding principles are right there and um, we, as a people, need to follow them and hold our hold our uh, leaders accountable to many times legislation that's already in place or policies that are already uh, already tabled for discussion. So 
Mm -hmm. um, the work is there to be done. Yeah, and I think it's important to know, and like, you know, Eden's talking a lot about the environment, but when we talk about the environment, you know, that can be all, you know, oh, we're, we're talking about the green, the trees, the water, the coral reefs, and that's true. That's all what the environment encompasses as well, too. But it's more than just that. It's also like social well-being, like mm -hmm. development of the country, you know, you know, whether or not there are enough um, buildings, car, car parks, or, you know, sidewalks to roads, um, that kind of stuff. This is all, this is all the stuff that we need to be thinking about. You know, um, one of the questions in the survey is, is about flooding in certain areas and, you know, what's being done. I mean, we all know what rains are like. We've seen what happened last year with tropical storm, you know, all this sort of stuff is, is stuff we're talking about that impacts you, you know, cause it's very easy to sort of say, I don't care about trees. I don't care about, you know, this rare ghost orchid or, you know, the wild banana orchid or whatever bird or thing is, is kind of trying to be saved. Um, it's more about how we as a community and a society live in the environment and how it's protected, but at the focus for us. So, you know, making sure that um, there, we're not living in flood areas or that are dealt with properly or, you know, somebody's, you know, like, you know, water doesn't run onto your property or that you're living in a, in a, in a satisfying and, and, and um, sort of good area, you know, like these are the things that we're talking about or talking about like noise pollution or um, air pollution in general, you know, um, while you might not necessarily be a swimmer and go on the coral reefs, you breathe the air. And like, that's like the first thing, the first basic thing that human beings need is air. You know, we can live months without food. We can live days without water, but we can only live minutes without air. And this is the kind of stuff we're talking about is what is, happening to the world around us and and you know things like that so this is partly what they're what the survey is sort of um tackling is um, asking these questions like what do you know about what's being protected as well as um do you know how it's being protected or do you know that you actually have the right to to ask these questions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. empowering marshall empowering agrees um he says that two years is ridiculous to deny someone who's away from home uh, the right to to vote um, or to be registered. Um, Tracy points out that as a Canadian, um, she can vote at any time. So it looks like they probably never lose the right to vote, which happens, I think, in a lot of countries. And it's so interesting because their population size is so incredibly small. You would think that there would be an interest in getting as many Caymanians, no matter where you are in the world, to participate in the process. Um, but it seems like the opposite mandate is what has been undertaken. Um, Quincy says, I support Wayne Panton. He's more than a politician. He's human with a real heart. He's proven his love and concern, enough respect. Um, Quincy, interestingly enough, I was having this conversation just yesterday uh, with a business colleague about Mr. Panton. And uh, there are a lot of people in the community who don't know that about Wayne. Maybe he doesn't necessarily feel like it's something he has to share with people, but he does a lot of good in the community at so many um, different levels that uh, I'm hoping that through the election process, we can start to bring some of that out because I think it gives voters the type of information that they need about candidates to make a more informed decision, to be quite frank and honest. So thank you so much, Quincy, for sharing that. Lenny says, that was my point early in the week, residency should not be cut off at two years. Well, it's not so much residency as it um, is you just get removed from the voters list. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. Uh, thank you, Tracy. Um, Shirley uh, says another suggestion I have 
is if people want change here, stop tearing down Caymanians who are trying to give people a voice and trying to make the changes we need. Instead of criticizing the survey, do the survey. Good. There are other surveys in the works um, also, so I encourage everyone to take this one. Thank you very much. Let me just remind people before I forget, um, this is 2021. And of course, we've had the ability for quite some time, but anytime you want to join in as a viewer of the program uh, into the conversation, you don't necessarily have to type your, your comment, Shirley. You can actually call in. Let's drop it like this. Check this out. <laughs> All right, folks, so no filters allowed. Call in and have your say. You've got a voice here. Um, thank you so much, uh, Shirley, for reminding us that uh, people do have a voice and you should utilize your voice. So Quincy says all people in the Cayman Islands should be allowed to vote. If it has been said, uh, we're all locals seeking to become Caymanians and we are British overseas citizens. I'm not quite so sure, Quincy, if you want to expand it that much, but that's an interesting thought. Uh, Linda says environmental justice is social justice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Linda. Very good point. Linda, are you interested in joining the conversation? Let me get the link up here in case you guys are. This is um, um, not to... Not yeah. to cut you off, but this is uh, Linda's comment right here is a uh, is uh, really speaks to where you see the breadth of the of the questions on the survey on on what the topics that it's trying to address through um, the foundation of the environmental charter that we have. Right. Is that, for instance, um, the the very third question on the survey is talking about stormwater management and the managing of uh -huh. flooding, for example, right? Now, we might think, okay, water runoff, use of water, different things, how, you know, is this, uh, how is this water getting managed? But when we think of the implications of someone's home getting flooded and their belongings mm -hmm. being ruined. And then uh, that that trickles into things they have to spend for and repairs they have to spend for. And what if they lost their job? And so uh, how we manage our relationship with the environment speaks so mm -hmm. much to the repercussions that happen in our uh, in our work life, in the things that the bills we might need to make up, in our the in, um, equality and being being able to have opportunity. If if Cayman said, "Hey, you know what? We've removed him too many trees from the shorelines. We're going to have a massive effort to replant trees and reestablish our our shore our shoreline shelter belt and the understory and the shorelines and try to make sure we keep our shorelines from eroding." Um, as much as possible. That's an employment opportunity for a lot of people that can go on for a long, long time. So you're kind of feeding two birds with one seed there by addressing an environmental issue, addressing a cultural issue by having the trees back and, and rekindling a bit of that old Cayman and uh, what should traditionally be happening by shorelines. And you're also creating um, economic opportunity and livelihoods, right? And someone might start out as a tree planter today, but in two years they're supervising the entire program or they're supervising the nursery or whatever it is. So these these little steps in the directions the, of, of uh, living sustainably with our environment and trying to address a broad um, 
a broad range of solutions with with one effort really have a lot of rebounding um, positive efforts that that kind of spread out and ripple out into other parts of the community right if we have more shade it stays cooler we don't heat the island as much if we uh, we have places where people can gather and where places where people can children can sit with their elders and hear stories and so it's it, it, just that simple act of planting trees can end up in so many other things that are beneficial to us as a society and as a culture and as a people, as a community. So we really need to start thinking of things in that way, of a multi-level way, you know? Mm -hmm. um, let's not just gather up the sargassum and pay people a few dollars to take it all and then take it to the dump. Let's, let's look at the sargassum, think about, hey, we need researchers to understand the sargassum's place in the natural ecology, then how much can we sustainably take from the sea without affecting the habitat for juvenile fish and for the creatures that live within their sargassum? How can we use it? Other countries are using it to make bricks. Other countries are using it to make fertilizers. People right here in Cayman are doing profound experimentation with sargassum as a fertilizer and as, as a soil building um, agent for in their gardens. People are using it to make animal um, vitamin tonics and things like that for veterinary, uh, for veterinary uses in dogs, cats, horses, all kinds of things. So um, there's multiple uses stacked on top of that other than let's gather it up, throw it in a truck and, and take it to the dump. We can have real livelihoods built off of a seasonal resource that comes around with when mm -hmm. the sargassum has gone back out again. We still have studies going on. We still have development going on. We're making building materials from it. We're learning more of it and learning more about, about again, a sustainable way to to utilize resources in our environment and live with our environment. So um, mm -hmm. it's this type of thinking that uh -huh. uh, we're, we're hoping um, the survey can bring across and uh -huh. get people kind of thinking on these multiple on these multiple levels of how living sustainably with our environment can really benefit us as a people. Right. Thank you for that. Wow. So um, Jeanette has a really interesting point. She says that I'm also questioning the actual wording of the law because isn't registering a one-time act when you first become eligible as a voter? We're not registering for every election, are we? Thus, it seems a residency requirement shouldn't be applicable except for uh, the initial registration. Um, it is interesting, but I think that uh, what they do is, um, yes, you are registering initially, but then there are ways in which to have your registration challenged and actually have you removed from the list. And that is what is happening um, because there is a residence, an ongoing residency requirement that is actually part of, um, of the, um, the constitution and the law as well. Right. And it's tied so, to your constituency. Right. And the, the other side mm -hmm. of that is if, if you have enough money to be able to maintain a residence here and, and go to and fro, then you can you can basically live abroad and still vote in Cayman as long as you're coming back here for enough time to maintain mm -hmm. the legal aspects of your of your residency. If you don't have enough money to fly back to Cayman all the time to stay here enough to maintain another residence, or you can't pay for another residence, <laughs> which is yes. probably a lot of people, then you know, two years yep. from now you won't be able to vote in your own country. So that, you know, but um, yeah, I mean these are all these are all more political questions. So. Yes, and Judy does make the point as well that um, Cayman cannot afford to disenfranchise the 
I think she meant to say precious few Caymanians left. We should be inviting all of those um, descendants of Caymanians out in the world to apply for their status instead of denying them because of some technicality about where their generational Caymanian grandparent was born. There's so many um, Caymanian descendants out there that could be contributing to the future of this country and bearing more Caymanians, but instead they're treated like invaders. Unfortunately, the rest of that uh, got caught off there, Judy. Um, Linda reminds us the Amplified Cayman did write some recommendations to the elections office on reform, and it's ultimately up to cabinet, i.e. the MPs to change the law. It is so important to vote. It isn't politics, it's our way of life. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and that's, you, that, that again is how we can, you know, is, is your candidate interested in just maintaining Cayman as a world-class financial center? Or are they also interested in, in uh, having Cayman become a leader in environmental policy, education and research based on our environment? Um, you know, we have a UN charter for sustainable development goals that the world is participating in. And Cayman has kind of put it to the side. Now, why do we have such a high standard of handling money but we don't have as high a standard of relating with our environment of preservation and of sustainable development. So mm. let, uh, you know, we, let's, let's see ourselves be a leader in our region and a leader in the tropical world and a leader in the world, not just in, in how to manage money, but in how to manage our resources. And let's align with the, um, with the sustainable development goals and make Cayman a real part of that conversation, right? So the in the survey, a lot of the questions are are the questions are are checked against the the sustainable development goals that are being internationally um, supported and programs that are being in, that are being participated in by other nations. And this again is is a, a part of the underlying foundation of of how this survey was was designed. Is let's raise our standard of being stewards of our own of our own environment, of our own communities, and our, our of our own culture. Yeah. Um, Eden, can you just share the link again in the comment section um, sure. for the survey? I know you did earlier, um, um, but it always disappears up in the comments. I just want to jump on one of the points that Eden was talking about. You know, Cayman has the chance to kind of be a leader in the Caribbean of, you know, how we develop and how, how we maintain and protect our environment. Um, I think it's one thing that's really interesting to note, and, um, and I don't even know if it is in the survey. I know it was something we were talking about in the survey, but um, the central mangrove wetland that we have here is the largest in the Caribbean. Wow. Um, and, and I know people, you know, look at it and they're like, oh, it looks like it's an invasive species, all these massive roots, but it's actually incredible, like what it does for juvenile fish. And these are the same fish that are going to go out in the water that will eventually be fished by the fishermen. So, you know, we, we can't really have this sort of attitude that, you know, oh, I'm a fisherman. It doesn't matter to me about the mangroves. I don't care if they cut it down. You know, they can build the four seasons there or whatever they want, who cares? I'm just a fisherman. It actually does directly affect you. And that's the thing is that we're not looking at this in this kind of like circular way that everyone mm -hmm. has a place. And, and as, as Caymanians, we actually have the opportunity now um, with this survey, as well as with the upcoming election to sort of let our voice be heard. And I'm encouraging everyone to take the survey um, because it's gonna be a huge um, you know, base for us um, in sort of aligning with what we're sort of saying and asking of the candidates as, as they all kind of come out of the woodworks um, by 31st of March. But as well, 
as even if you're not Caymanian, even if you don't have the right to vote right now, or you won't have the right to vote in this election, still go out and participate in all the town hall meetings and all the discussions that are going to be happening with these candidates. Because again, with a, a major thing that happened with CPR was um, the unity government. And I say unity government because PPM did not win the last election mm -hmm. uh, out and said, we have a mandate to, to build the port. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's like actually very much not true because the PBM government didn't even discuss it at, at you know the town halls and things like that. It, it was just sort of like a cursory little one-liner at the end of their manifesto. Um, and that's the other thing is read your candidate's manifesto, understand what they do. And if they haven't addressed the particular subject that's important to you, ask them about it. Um, and that's your right. You need to know what's happening. And that's part of why we're doing the survey is that we need to understand what's important and what people understand and know because the environment, whether or not you believe in protecting it or not, it does help us, it does affect us. Like, you know, Linda said, environmental justice is social justice. Uh -huh. um, so these are all reasons why we're encouraging you strongly. And, you know, this survey, like I said, is gonna be a, a great jumping off point for Amplify Cayman and, and what is to come in the future for us. Uh -huh. And this is the survey here, folks. Um, it's only 20 uh -huh. questions. Yep, takes about five um, minutes. Very easy to complete. I will do it today. Uh, love where you live, Amplify Cayman survey. Mm -hmm. um, do you support neighborhood plans? Simple question. I'm going to vote yes. I'm just going to do mine while I'm here. Yeah, please do. Uh, question number two. 20 years ago, the Cayman Islands government signed an environmental charter meant to ensure that the wise use of Cayman's natural resources, for example, mangroves, wetlands, beaches, coral reefs, and native life. Do you feel that like Cayman's natural environment is in a better or worse position than it was 20 years ago? I'm going to say worse. Um, number three, stormwater flooding can lead to the contamination of our freshwater lenses and send polluted water into our environment and the marine parks. How would you rate the current practices for managing flooding for example, from consistent heavy rains. Oh God, very poor. There's not an option that says piss poor, but that's- <laughs> <laughs> we, were being, we were being family friendly and, and yes. maintaining neutrality and, and designing it. All right, <laughs> so I'll go point. with very poor. Question number four, food security. Mm, this is interesting. Is the ability to have physical, social, and affordable access to safe and nutritious foods. The threat of COVID-19 made many in the Cayman Islands fear for food access. As much as Cayman's food supply relies on imports, do you think that traditional agricultural farmlands should be protected for Grand Cayman and our sister islands? Absolutely, yes. All right, number five. See how easy this is, folks? It's a very easy survey to complete. Very easy. Sustainable development is the idea that any commercial, and I like how you explain things before the question, right? right. Just in case somebody doesn't understand what sustainable development means. It's the idea that any commercial activity should consider its impact on our communities and the natural environment. Yes. Do you think that social and environmental needs are sufficiently included in the decision-making process for new developments? Mm. Um, this one is kind of tough because I feel like if there are objections, they'll listen to it. But if there aren't any, maybe not. So I'm going to say no. I was kind of, mm. all right. The development plan for Grand Cayman is over 20 years old. Oh, really? Wow. Like nothing has changed in the last 20 years. <laughs> and there are no development plans for either Little Cayman or Cayman Brack. Wow. 
Do you support with necessary public consultation development plans for the three islands that identify appropriate areas for housing, community infrastructure, commerce, and nature protection? Of course, that one seems like a no-brainer. Number seven, do you feel your voice is listened to when government decisions are made? No, I don't even have to finish reading that. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see here. Um, in 2021, the UN Climate Change Summit will take place to accelerate action and climate change. By the way, speaking of climate change, we know that President Trump really did a number on the environment. I mean, he got rid of so many environmental protections that were in place in practical terms and the law, allowing big corporations to just run amok uh, in the U.S. He even pulled out of the Paris, um, what's it called again? The Paris? Um, the Paris Accords, yeah. Paris Accord, yeah. And one of the very first things um, that um, President Biden has done, I think on his first day actually, is he's rejoining the Paris Accord. Yeah. So good for him. Um, how satisfied are you that the Cayman Islands are committed to climate change action. I'm not satisfied at all. So I'm very disappointed because um, I don't even think we really talk about climate change. Like I've maybe heard this administration mention it once in passing. Um, yes. Uh, Eden, you want to address questions four and five on the survey? Uh, if you if you wanted, there is uh, I saw some had seen some comments about um, the talk about food security and the ability to grow uh, food sustainably in Cayman. Right. And there's uh, some mis mistaking uh, about what traditional agriculture is. Some people think of traditional agriculture as spraying a bunch of things and fertilizing. And um, that's not really what that's that's chemical based agriculture. That's a different uh, different type of thing. So. As we're talking mm -hmm. about um, food supply here, we're talking mm -hmm. about the utilization of, of crops we can grow here, of, um, of modern and traditional techniques of, of sustainably harvesting um, nutritious crops from, uh, from Cayman, tree crops and integrated plantings as well, because our grounds used to be a bunch of trees with pumpkins running under it. And, you know, so it's, it's a... Uh, when we talk about traditional agriculture, we're not just talking about slash and burn and spray agriculture that we do see uh, used. That's, um, so I wanted to kind of clarify that because I had heard some people asking about that. So uh -huh. there are many ways that we can address food security and sustainable agriculture, everything from backyard gardens and people learning how to grow their own cassava to um, really having uh, sufficient support for sustainable um agriculture happening in Cayman. And then on question five, I just wanted to, what your, what your concern there was, was as far as it, um, that in social environmental needs are being mm -hmm. sufficiently included. And that is, you know, are your represented rep representatives um, who are making decisions regarding development, taking your, your neighborhood and your community and your family's considerations into account? If you've mm -hmm. personally given input, are are um, there, are the needs that you're seeing in your community being taken into account? Um, mm -hmm. You know, did you want ten-story buildings? Uh, yeah. You, did you? You know, so right. all these all these type of things. Are you being? They never asked. Being <laughs> Basically, I, I still can't find the Caymanian. I've asked everybody from the the elder people to the soldier crabs. I still can't find the Caymanian that necessarily wants ten-story buildings. But that's a topic yes. for another show. 
All right, so I'm halfway through the survey already. 10 mm -hmm. questions. Um, do you believe it's important that the Cayman Islands implement strong climate change policies? Very important. Climate emissions um, talks about, you know, liquefied um, gas. It says, if affordable, would you switch to community generated solar power? Absolutely. We actually have done um, a number of improvements just in our family homes. So we do have solar panels. Um, and I would love to be completely off the grid if it was possible. Um, but, you know, just trying to be more energy efficient, even not just solar panels, but we've got, you know, the gas, the propane um, stove. We did propane dryer. We went tankless on the water heater, um, changed out all of our lights to, um, you know, the LED mm -hmm. uh, energy savers. So I've tried to make little small changes even in the household that we live in as much as possible. Yeah. Um, my husband now has a garden in the back. He's trying a little thing with um, some fresh, actually he's growing a lot of stuff back there. I got to show you guys some pictures. He's got bok chow, broccoli, oh, wow. tomatoes. I mean, it's, it's legit a garden. Like yeah. when I saw this idea of his, um, of getting all of these planters and putting it out there, at first, I thought, mm, okay, he's a little bored during COVID. <laughs> Not really sure where this is, where this is going, but it's turned into um, an amazing little garden, and, and I'm hoping that soon we'll be able to reap some um, some benefits from it. And uh, yeah, start you to get eat out of it what you put into from, it. Good yeah. for him. And yeah. you know, in some countries, they do like community gardens because I'm in an apartment yeah. complex, so I don't have a garden um, option. But it would be great if some of the spaces like in each constituency had like a green space that, you know, you could, go, you could tend to it um, and you could actually have, you know, somebody could plant tomatoes, somebody could plant the broccoli, so, you know, and, and we could do things that, you know, like I always keep saying this, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like other countries are doing things like this and they're doing it well. So we don't have to necessarily think of things from scratch. We can we can sit down as a community and actually say what can we do to increase the community and 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 food security as well as social justice you know these are things that we need to be discussing now and it's part of our culture as well we we used to have grounds where people would have the house on one side a house on this side a house in the back uh -huh. and then one space in the middle where okay we're going to grow bananas breadfruit and we all pitch in to tend it and we all harvest from it and so that that idea of utilizing um the the fertile spots in neighborhoods is as as well it's tra it's a traditional caymanian a, a part of our a part of our real culture as well you know so it's not like michelle said it's not reinventing the wheel we have tons of examples and templates that can be pulled from other jurisdictions as well as things within our own culture that simply need to be rekindled yeah, and there's examples of them all over the place Beautiful. still to this day yeah, for sure. I'm going to show you guys some photos here because you might be surprised to see what you can do, um, even with limited space and limited resources. Um, just a little bit of uh, ingenuity, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, there's another question here that kind of made me pause because it mentioned how low Lion Cayman is and the fact that hurricanes um, you know, are a constant threat to us as we see every single hurricane season. And you know, this was the most most active hurricane season on record, uh, which was a little bit scary. And we were even wondering if we might have storms outside of the traditional, you know, quote unquote, hurricane season dates. And um, thankfully, we haven't had any. But 
Um, it really gave us pause when we had two Cat 5 storms within a matter of like three weeks apart yeah. that impacted the region. So mm -hmm. a little scary. Um, let me just show you. I'm going to bring up this. Uh, th this is what he's been oh, working wow. on. <laughs> Check it out, folks. Isn't that crazy? Excellent. Yeah. So, yes. He, he's been hard at work. He did all the stuff with the bricklaying and yeah, got these little planners off, off of Amazon, believe it or not. Beautiful. Um, and they were easy to assemble and him and her four-year-old painted them. Uh, so she was a part of the project and she loves going out in the garden and just sticking her hands in the dirt and getting her little toes dirty um, while he's out there tending to, I'm going to show you a close up of some of the stuff that he's got actually in the garden, but it's, it's like a lot of stuff. Like when I saw it, I was really, you know, I just kind of left that project to him, but <laughs> I was really surprised. I was like, wow, what on earth is this? Excellent. And here's the most amazing thing. He's actually put in his own little irrigation system. Nice. Wow. And um, he got barrels that catch water, rainwater. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're not, they're, they're aesthetically pleasing and uh, they're right by the gutters. So they're nicely positioned to catch the rainwater and he's running under all the grass there, the little irrigation system. I'll show you a picture that you can kind of see it, but um, oh, nice. look at that. yeah, look at this. We got all kind of stuff in there Yeah, and he's got everything nicely labeled. <laughs> mm -hmm. Beautiful. It was uh Definitely a labor of love. And he continues to go out there every single day. He uses non-chemical um, um, fertilizers. And, you know, the caterpillars are ready on it because they're like, ooh, this looks good. Yeah. So they're already trying to eat stuff. So apparently there's a non-chemical spray that you can use to try to ward off insects and caterpillars and stuff. Yeah, and neem, neem can help for a, a good amount of, um, and then as well, just hand picking and creating. Yeah, I think that's what well. he's using. Cause I've, I've heard that term. So I think that that's what it could be. And give by them, the way, give them another place to go. Let <laughs> me just say this. Um, the department of agriculture actually has a um, small farm grant, which again, I knew nothing about, but my husband is really ingenious, ingenious with a lot of things. Look at this. So this is his tomato and then bell peppers. And the black wire you see there is a little irrigation system that he has running behind the planters and up in there nice. so that they can get some, nat some natural flow of, um, of rainwater. So yeah, he's been working on this, but he's discovered that if you're just, um, you don't have to be a big time farmer, even if you do garden farming in your own yard, um, there is a grant that you can get from the Department of Agriculture that will help you buy some of the soil and the other supplies and stuff um, that you need. And you can contact them because they have all of those things available regardless of the size of your, um, of your garden. Fantastic. Well done, DOA. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's take a few more comments. I'm still working through my survey. Of course, the survey would have been done by now, but I'm getting a little bit distracted here. So Quincy. Um, <laughs> Quincy we will, I, I wanted to make note, we will also be at the Family Fun Day this Sunday um, for at the Botanic Park. At the Botanic um, Oh, okay. And, and so you can uh, fill out the survey in person there on a paper copy and chat with, with you know, some Amplify folks and... And, you know, just uh, if you if you want to do it that way and have questions about the questions or anything like that, then, you know, we can you, it's a chance to to meet people, chat and and dig into it a little more. And that event is just absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. And the questions and, were easy. 
Um, there, there's a need for wider program of education about the environmental and health impacts of products we use in our home. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, you know, a lot of us overuse too many chemicals. That's for sure. So Quincy says, all MPs fear, love, hate, or respect. Uh, scratch out that last part there, um, Quincy. The Honorable William McKeever Bush, as he is the glue that holds this unity government together. Oust Mac and this unity government will fall. Well, we don't believe that at all, actually. And uh, Mr. Ezard Miller has given the premier an option that would include ousting Mac and not having the uni unity government fall. So that being the case, um, the question then becomes why the radio silence and why has nothing been done? Um, power of the people, yes, Tracy. Um, finally, we can imagine if it went through to quote Hugh, he said that um, if we had a referendum and everything, nothing would get done. Hmm, that is what democracy is about. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, this government um, we thought had a rude awakening as it related to the port because they really, with the CPR group, which I think both of you, correct me if I'm wrong here, Eden and Michelle were active participants in that. Um, I think that, that ultimately they got a glimpse of the power of the people um, both in terms of galvanizing individuals to sign the petition. They'd never expected it to even pass that um, mm -hmm. hurdle. And then when it did, uh, they thought that they could delay it. They could pass a half, you know, ass uh, piece of referendum law and that that would be acceptable. And the people mounted their resources and presented a legal challenge. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the government is kind of getting an idea of the power of the people but yet I still feel like they, it hasn't quite hit home with them. So they are still very much um, ignoring a lot of, um, of these really important issues. So Quincy says our current female MPs want to be reelected. Therefore they need to keep their silence in certain developments pertaining to women's issues. Well, uh, Quincy, I can tell you from my perspective, um, you know, they should not be reelected for that exact same reason because they have remained silent on issues that matter to the women in this community um, and specifically speaking to which you are here, the actions of Mr. Bush. So if, if that's the strategy to get reelected, you know, by remaining silent and by not speaking up about a wrong, that, that is a failing strategy. That's disgusting and that's horrible. Um, so Quincy, you can call in um, WhatsApp 324-1612 is the WhatsApp number. And we do have the link that you can just click on to join in by video as well. And don't forget if you're shy or you don't have your makeup face on yet or whatever, you can, <laughs> choose, to, you can choose to turn your camera off so that you actually do not, uh, so that people don't see you. That's fine. That's what I'm doing right now because I'm kind of all over the place in terms of what I'm doing on the computer. Um, so thank you, Quincy, for the reminder. Call in and WhatsApp. Um, community gardens and allotments, so fun and rewarding. Thank you for that, Linda. Yes, I think there's a lot of scope for um, that to be done. What on earth is what Divya is Sharma saying here? Okay, clearly this is someone that we have to block. Yeah. Um, all right, delete comment and then block user. There we go, they're gone. Some <laughs> idle person. That is not, it's not <laughs> this kind of survey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, rainwater harvesting. Okay, so Tracy's trying to call. Um, Tracy, I'm not sure what's happening, but do. And they, 
again, these um these community this idea of community gardening and uh, as another way to uh, tend our community is you know you you get exercise, you get fellowship and and chatting with your their, your fellow people, your the people in your community, you go on learning curves together to be like, oh, what is that thing eating that uh, eating that plant? You know, let's find out about that. How can we treat that naturally? This and that and the other, right? So, uh-huh. and then besides that, then you're creating food. It creates food security. Once you have food security, you have a certain sense of okay, everything is going to be okay, even if this or that happens. We know we still have some tomatoes growing here. We know we still have our breadfruit. We still we still have our sweet potatoes. Uh-huh. So there's a certain kind of um, of intrinsic feeling within the community that that uh, of a little more stability and a little more security going on as well um stacking on top of that you have the idea of earth banks and in-district composting so we're not moving waste all the way to the dump to deal with it but we could have within each district places where organic waste is getting processed composted and you're able to come there and bring your yard waste there it gets shredded up and composted and you come back and you can grab some soil for your own plantings or it gets distributed to the community garden and that creates jobs people to work the machines to flip the piles people to study the soil and make sure everything is going well and those are in district jobs less Mm -hmm. traffic on the roads people can walk to work and not be late and maintain their livelihoods in an easier way um, so again, we need, we need to start looking at these benefit, 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 benefit. How do we keep uh-huh. m- making win, win, win situations and a simple thing like a community garden or a community compost center, it, it reverberates into so many other aspects of society, getting back to that thought that our environmental health is our societal health, you know? Okay, so Alric um, joins in again, and he says that although the people won the right to have a referendum vote on the cruise birthing facility expansion, the government refused to allow the people to vote. Hashtag democracy. Yeah, well, yeah, we're doing uh, that they had referendum. to drop it, I guess, and they're, they'll blame COVID for that. Um, but with we'll an election coming too. up, they certainly could have attached it to... Um, and saved probably a couple of million dollars rather yes. than running the referendum vote separately, which we are exactly. due. The people brought the referendum and we are due it as citizens of a democracy who went through the procedure in a legal way to do it. Exactly. And this woman that we're on with right now, Miss Michelle Lockwood, was is a national hero. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I think as well, too, talking about the survey, because I think Sandy's almost done now. Yep. Yeah. Um, the last couple of questions. Amazing are just like demographic questions. And I think a yes. key thing to say as well too, um, is the survey isn't just for Caymanians or registered voters, it's for anybody who lives or even loves the Cayman Islands. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well too, um, we're asking for email addresses only because um, we're doing a draw for, I think it's a $50 food voucher. I'm not yes, sure. that's what it said. Yeah. yeah so, um, you know, there is incentive to do this survey and, and we really want everybody, like all cross sections of the island to participate so that we can understand actually what the, the demographic says. Um, so I really, really think like it's really so important. And, you know, sh- once you do it, share it on your Facebook, share it on your Instagram, share it with your friends and make sure that all of your friends are participating. And it doesn't even matter if they're registered to vote or not, or if they feel like, oh, I'm too young or, you know, I don't live there anymore this is exactly what we've been saying this whole time is that we need everyone's input so that we can actually say to the government, Hey, look, this is very clearly an issue that people believe in and we need you to actually address it. 
Definitely. Mm -hmm. And it can be any age. The age question is on there. You can tick under 18 years of age. So this isn't mm -hmm. just for adults. Caymanian permanent resident, work permit holder, visitor, all part of the demographic question number 18. Um, the other side of having the email address is that we need unique identifiers so that we know that we're gathering valid information. So you can't enter the same uh, uh, burner email address, for instance. You can't enter the same email address twice because it, it, it wants to get each, each person completing one survey. So mm -hmm. that, is, that is a part of why an email address is, is asked for um, and, and so that we can get uh, valid data because otherwise you have someone filling out 50 surveys and skewing uh, the results of it and it becomes unscientific at that point. So it, we're, not it's, it, that, we're not holding that data or anything like that. So don't think that we're holding your data for anything. Exactly. And the very last question is, it, would you like to receive information from Amplify Cayman? You can tick yes or no. So you yeah. don't, you're not automatically on a mailing list. It's you're invited to, to receive information from Amplify and you're invited mm -hmm. to visit the website and learn more. And this is just the beginning. The website is just launched and the survey has just launched. It's going through to February 15th. Um, and, uh, you know, the folks behind the scenes here have done an incredible job in constructing this and researching it meticulously and really um, structuring this survey so it's in, done in an objective way where it invites your thought and your participation in it, but it's not leaning this way or another. What we want, again, is real solutions to for the betterment of our, of our communities and our families. And that's, that, that's the completely transparent purpose of <laughs> everything we're doing. And it's really just getting started. So, I mean, huge shout out to Mel and Maureen. It's just, uh, you know, really uh, helping put this all together. We're, it, it's, we're proud of this and we're proud of Amplify and really invite you to take your seat at the table through doing mm -hmm. this survey and through learning more and getting involved. All right, folks. So as you saw, um, the survey was very, very easy um, to complete. Uh, Quincy says, not crosstalk, not, not business buzz, not for the record. CMR has the leading morning talk show in Cayman. Well, thank you, Qu Quincy. We appreciate the vote of confidence. Um, I've just sent Tracy the link, but let's go ahead and take some final comments from Michelle. Mel is and asking Eden, to play again, the, folks play the from of, Amplify Cayman. If we can um, play the video. Melanie has sent a link. I'm going to try to pull that up here, Mel. Um, let me see if I can grab that link. So yes, some final comments, Michelle. Um, I think the main thing that I'm going to say is, is that like every single person in or out of the Cayman Islands um, that loves these islands needs to participate in the survey. You need to participate in your democracy. Um, just let your voice be heard. The last thing that we want to happen is a new project to come out of the elections that we're sort of not sure about or, you know, and have no option to kind of challenge it or, you know, it means mounting a huge um, group again to, to deal with it. Um, this is the way that we, we, we let our voices be heard and, and doing surveys like this is, is a really easy way to do it anonymously, um, just so that we as Amplifying Cayman can collect this data and move forward and sort of um, inform the candidates of what, what is concerning for the people of the Cayman Islands. Uh, so please, please, please um, participate in the survey. And it's too late to register to vote for this election. Um, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still register to vote 
anything can happen. CPR has proved that we we enacted a, a referendum. So just make sure that you're registered to vote. And make sure that you're involved in the decisions because and I think um, Linda said it. It's not politics. This is what kind of gathers our our well being and and how we live as a society. Um, and these people are making decisions for us. So we mm-hmm. need. To- that we're informed and making the best possible choice when we choose those people to represent us. Yes, right. Tracy has joined in. Good morning, Tracy. Oh, finally, finally I'm connected. Good, Good morning. Good morning, yeah. Kayman. How is everyone today? Morning. morning. Good, okay, so good. I just What's have a question. I, I, I have a question. Okay, so I have a question for Eden. So um, basically like we, we are talking about the fact that these it's very sad that um, you have your nationality, you have your heritage here in Cayman, and if you move abroad, geographically, wherever you are, after two years, you're not allowed to vote, which is really sad, I think. And I think, uh, personally, I think that's a violation of human rights. But anyway, that's my that's my opinion. Um, but Valid saying argument. that, if someone is abroad... I, I, and I totally agree with you. So if, if someone is abroad and after being the two years, what is the protocol for them to reinstate themselves or be able to have a voice? Um, well, it's re- requires moving. Well, first of all, there are exceptions. So if you're stu- um, a student, if you're working abroad for the government, um, there's there's certain exceptions to it. And I don't I'm, I don't have this information in front of me, but um, it, it basically involves either contesting why you're wouldn't be eligible and should be and would be disenfranchised, um, and then moving back and after a certain amount of time. And I think again, that's like two. two is that two years as well? Years, so you yeah. actually have to be back and then be back for two years. So if you come back in an election year or the year before an election, for instance, you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to to re-register and vote. Um, so it's a, it's a super convoluted thing that would be far more simplified by just keeping people enfranchised basically for as long as uh-huh. really it, it fits an international standard at the very least. But we can make the decision to say, hey, as long as you have a right to vote, you have a right to vote and that's all there is to it. So there's a, a, a lot of different sides to this, you know, and this is, again, people need to get informed and need to be aware of this. I personally... As much as I exactly. was with with it, with with uh, democratic movements and stuff like that, I wasn't even aware of this until not that long ago. To be honest with you, I was like, "What? Two yeah. years?" And I was like, started counting the people that I know who are heritage Caymanians who can no longer vote. Me too. I know them it's crazy. too. Okay, so that's a really nice that's a really nice segue into my next question because my next question is. Um, if they do have to go through all these protocols and all the loopholes or whatever, what is the cost associated? I don't, I, I'm not oh, a, sure. I think uh, that, would, that would be legal fees if they're going to contest it. Um, right. They'd have to, you know, hire a lawyer and go to court. Um, so I don't know what those fees are off the top of my head either, but I mean, it would basically be hiring a lawyer and whatever the court fees are. Hmm. So then basically um, these people, these poor Kaminian people that are Kaminian, this is their country. And I, I am, I'm very fortunate. Don't get me wrong. I've been here since 1999, but um, I, I still have my God-given right as Canadian to vote for whoever is governing my country while I'm away. And I just can't believe that Cayman doesn't allow that after two years. Like it's, 
it's crazy because yeah, even if you're studying abroad or if you take a contract or something, um, my God, two years is nothing. Well, if you're studying abroad, you can be exempted. Okay, so yeah, and okay, so here's there's exempt there's exemptions to it. Okay, but so basically, if well, you, yeah, if but you the, just move away because you have a better opportunity in Canada, and you're gone for two years and you haven't been able to return to maintain a residency and you can't maintain an address, you know, you you have a lot of work ahead of you to prove that you should still have the right to vote. Basically, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Up oh, here's Alric. Al That's who I was hoping would chime in. <laughs> That's yeah. My go-to guy. For <laughs> yes, Alric reminds us of the law and the Constitution. Under the Constitution, any period of absence by reason of the following shall be disregarded. So the performance of a duty on behalf of the government, attendance as a student at an educational establishment, attendance as a patient at any hospital, clinic, or other medical institution, employment as a seaman aboard an ocean-going vessel, or employment as a crew member of any craft. But of course, the one glaring thing that's missing is anyone who might be doing like work experience, um, articles of clerkship or training um, contracts and so on. You know, because sometimes you could be um overseas you know if you work for a financial institution or law firm they might send you overseas to get some international experience and you could be gone for years like i've known lawyers at maples who go away and they're in hong kong in the asian office for multiple years so does that mean that they get removed from the list as well because they're not on this list of exemptions basically hmm yeah but again sandra my my, my question is is that yes god forbid if, the, if they are in that predicament and they are in that situation and they've gone past the two years, is the whole protocol of them re-enabling themselves to have the right to vote? Yeah, absolutely. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, just easy as that. Okay, you thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, um, what I've done, just as an FYI, folks, if you're watching the program, uh, we're keeping the link the same. So every single show, all you have to do is type in caymanmalroad.com um, backslash talk show. Right. And then on the back end, I do all the tech stuff that's necessary because technically it does change every show. Um, but I do all the back, you know, tech stuff to make sure that that link will work. Because I think it's easier to just remember that link as opposed to having all these random numbers and letters at the end. So um, save that, folks. I'll have it scrolling on the screen as much as I can remember um, so that you can participate at any time. So uh, let's watch the video before we call it a day. We do have um, a video here. Let me just pull it up real quick. Yes. So um, have a look at this video, good folks. Um, thank God for modern technology. Isn't it wonderful? Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. Beautiful. All right, let's pay attention to this video and the survey.
folks. So beautiful. These are, you know, questions that apply to everybody. Yes, you can see some of those photos are like, you know, I'm not using stock photos, but using photos. So, folks, um, a very simple survey. Um, please take, it really doesn't take any time at all. That's not an excuse. Uh, please participate um, in the survey. Amplify Cayman, thank you guys so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Really check appreciate us out on it. Facebook. Check out the amplifycayman.com website. Yes. And um, but if you see us out uh, doing a community initiative of any kind, feel free to talk to us and, and let's chat and let's let's come up with solutions to, to make for a better community and take care of future generations. That's we, we uh, to me we just it's as simple as that I look mm -hmm. at my son and I say I want you to have more opportunity I want you to have a better life I mm -hmm. want you to have trees to sit under and fruit to pick and fish to catch from the sea and for you and your friends to enjoy and mm -hmm. sustainable businesses you can start and healthy homes and communities to live in and uh, let's let's try to uh, I think if we try to prioritize things toward that end then we can uh we can do some good work all together Absolutely. Thank you again, uh, Eden, for putting it in full context. Alwick um, says, when is Quincy running for election? Yeah. That's a discussion for another day. Folks, thank you guys um, again so much. Michelle and Eden joining us from Amplify Cayman. Contact them, check out their Facebook page, check out their website. Um, they are a wealth of information. They're advocates on so many different issues. Reach out to them. Um, Linda, I think, is part of their group. Alric works with them. Um, who else? We've got um, um, I was Mal. Just on the radio with, with there's, Troy. Yeah, there's tons, tons Troy of people. The other day, yes, there are tons yeah. of people involved in this initiative. Um, Eden, I do have one final question for you. Okay. Is that a real flower that you're wearing this morning? No, this is oh, okay. one of the accents that were made for the um, protests that Cayman Voices had at Parliament. Ah. I, I wear it to gigs and I wear it anytime I'm trying to make public appearances. So just to make a statement that we support the UNESCO effort to end um, gender-based violence worldwide wow. and that we in Cayman are taking a stand against violence and for accountability and for love. So I say love no to it. violence, say yes to love. Well, it matches your skin tone, everything. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was sitting there wondering the whole time, is that a real flower? You probably picked that in the garden this morning. <laughs> All right, folks. Now, I have had a broad leaf flower before. Those are nice bright orange too, but this one stays around longer. <laughs> yeah, awesome. All right, good people. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, it is Friday, uh, January the 22nd. Please, 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 please. Uh, go out there, have some fun this weekend, but try to be safe um, there. You know, don't drink and drive. Don't speed. Um, just take care of uh, ourselves as well as the environment. Um, Linda reminds us of um, the elimination of violence um, information here um, against women stay and orange around the world. So that's why that flower is orange at the UNESCO website. So uh, lots of social issues, lots of environmental issues that the people of the Cayman Islands are, are facing. We need to make sure, folks, that we are electing individuals come May the 26th, 2021, that are not only cognizant of what these issues are, but are willing to work in a proactive way 
to um, work with all of these NGOs to come up with some viable solutions to protect and save and preserve what we have here in the Cayman Islands because their way of life is is very, it's on shaky ground. It's literally on quicksand. All right, good folks. Again, thank you so much. Thank you, Eden. Thank you, Michelle, Mel, Linda, Quincy, um, Alric, everyone who tuned in and stayed through, uh, Tracy, the entire program here today. Love the support. You've been listening to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. We will see you guys um, on Monday morning at 7.30. We are working on a number of different stories for you, so keep it locked right here. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 